What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Standard Issue for All Women Hello and welcome to episode 239 of the Standard Issue Podzine. I'm Mickey Noonan and I am delighted to have found a local with a pool table. Goodness me, something of a rarity. Celebrated by playing 10 games of pool. How many did you win? Who won? Oh, well, it was evens until game seven and then Gary spanked my arse at pool, I hasten to add. Were you then going, should we make it best of nine? Should we make it best of 11? Should we make it best of 13? <laughs> I was just having a lovely time playing pool. To have a pool table in a decent boozer that we were allowed to stay on on a Saturday night for two hours. Incredible scenes. Newport Pagnell had a real shortage of pool tables when I was growing up. But there was one in the bull, but it was in a room that was slightly too small. Mm, that's where they put pool tables, yeah. Hannah. I think it's the law. When you were trying to take a certain shot, you had to open the window so your elbow could go <laughs> out of it. So you could do it. It was really tight. Oh, the dodgy establishments I've been in in the search for a decent pool table. I will literally go anywhere if it means I can get a game of pool. I'm Hannah Dunleavy and the roof of my car is green. For clarity, the rest of my car is black. For further clarity, it is all <laughs> supposed to be white. Okay, so you've got a, a mossy top. Yeah. I was thinking about cleaning it the other day, and then, if you can believe it, I ended up parking next to exactly the same car as mine that was also white, but was actually dirtier. Ethan said, you wouldn't have thought it would have been humanly possible, but it is <laughs> dirtier than your car. And I was like, yes. Has anyone done the classic wash me no no they haven't um well actually the windows are quite clean because i've been doing a lot of scraping recently because of the weather but uh yeah the rest of it filthy i'm going to funeral though this week so i am going to clean it i wasn't sure where that as sentence a, was going but no i was like as a sign of respect so <laughs> yeah. what? i'm gonna leave it black i can't make my mum turn up to a funeral in a mossy car <laughs> I'm Jen Offord and this weekend I had the third most visceral experience of my life after childbirth and the norovirus and we know that Hannah is a little bit on the uh, gippy side as it were so um, I'm not going to describe what happened. I don't even think I can describe the process because actually it's the process that, that is brutal rather than the contents of it. I'll just tell you, it was a sinus rinse and that's all you need Oh, you've gone too far! Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I think process, contents and rinse was just a bit of maths too far for Hannah. I'm sorry. Coming up, I have a very lovely natter with the boss, Sarah Millican, about Bobby Dazzler, Late Bloomer, Taskmaster, Robots, Balloons and Safety Potatoes. I was going to ask what a safety potato was, but I get the feeling <laughs> I will eventually learn it. So <laughs> I think you'll be on board. <laughs> Well, it's got the word potato in it, so, you know, I'm halfway there. 
And I'm talking to our Yozzy, Yozra Osman, about what she makes of last week's Oscar nominations. And in Rated or Dated, do, 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 do. we're all going on a gender stereotyping bonanza as we watch 1963 Cliff Richard vehicle finale, Summer Holiday. Oh, God. When, you know when head. you buy something on Amazon and it says, purchased by accident? Um, I felt like that was actually had red lights flashing around it. It never seemed bigger. It never loomed bigger in my mind. Anyway, but first, scandal, scandal, scandals, and a naked old man. It's time for the Bush Telegraph. Cue Sting. Bush Telegraph. Welcome to the Bush Telegraph, where it is important not to offend the French. I mean, as a rule, Jen, but why, why on this occasion? There was a story last week after the Associated Press tweeted it's the AP Stylebook Twitter account where it recommended that writers avoid using the in phrases and the example it gives is the disabled, the poor and the French because it said that this could be dehumanising. <laughs> right, okay, yeah. That's like how my nan used to speak. Like everything had a definite article yeah. in front of it. She'd be like, so-and-so has the cancer. Yeah. Anyway, we mustn't be offending the French. The French found it quite amusing, fortunately. Did um, they? Yeah. Well, that did its job then. Well, the French embassy briefly changed its name to the Embassy of Frenchness in the United States, <laughs> which is quite a French thing to do, to be fair. Yeah. Well, Hannah, more shocking than that. Well done, Michael Gove. What? I know, I know. It's not something I was expecting to say today or any day either. And I do say it in a pretty loose way because after five and a half years and 400 days of evidence during the inquiry, which closed last year, it is really the least that the loved ones of those who died in the Grenfell disaster deserve. I'm referring to a sort of shock admission, really, by Gove in an interview with the Sunday Times this weekend, in which he admitted that building regulations had been faulty and ambiguous and decried an active willingness by developers to endanger lives in the name of profit and how these were basically contributory factors to the Grenfell mm. disaster. Why is that a shock? Well, where there's a blame, there's a claim, I guess, which is probably why people generally don't admit fault to anything. But also the line previously peddled by the government when it apologised, in inverted commas, for past failures in 2021, was that had the regulations been followed, the fire would not have happened. Of course, Gove then gave an interview with Sky News following this admission in which he repeated his claims, but he was very quick to point out that, in his opinion, responsibility extends prior to the Tory takeover of 2010. But he wasn't attributing blame to individuals. He just wants to be clear that he's not one of them. (laughs) Though he added that the cost burden of removing dodgy cladding should fall to developers who installed it rather than owners who unwittingly bought said properties. And again, who knew I was going to agree with Michael Gove more than once this week? But there you go. None of this is going to be of huge consolation to those affected by the fire, who will now have to wait until, at last estimates, October this year for publication of the full inquiry report. And then any criminal investigations that might come as a result of it can't begin until after that has happened. And as previously reported late last year, if there are to be any, trials may not start until 2025. Wow. Which is eight years after the fire. 
In a statement, supporters group Grenfell United said that Gove had admitted to what we've known all along. Government failed. This is nothing new. Christ on a bike, 2025. It's a fucking long time, isn't it? And that's an if. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's easy to forget how all-consuming things like that are for the people who are seeking justice and how hard it is to move your life forward with something like that hanging over you. Absolutely, yeah. And there's so many of them too. Mm. Yeah. So let's talk about a couple of scandals emanating from the House of Commons because what? That almost never happens. (laughs) How will we ever deal with the shock? First up is the sacking of Nadim Zahawi. And just to say, I know a lot of people are going to be scrambling to fill in their tax return now. So apologies for bringing the topic of tax up. Vomits. Have you done yours, Jen? I have, but you've just reminded me that I need to make sure I have paid the correct amount of money. So so thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) Don't thank me. Thank corrupt politics, Jen. Now, if you're thinking, hang on, Zahawi, is he the guy that was Chancellor of the Exchequer or Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster or Minister Without Portfolio or Chairman of the Conservative Party? The answer is yes, all of them. And that's just in the last five months. Current PM Rishi Sunak sacked Zahawi from that latest position after the PM's new ethics advisor, Sir Laurie Magnus, concluded that Zahawi had broken the rules by repeatedly failing to declare an HMRC investigation into his tax affairs, which concluded with a £5 million settlement, including a penalty. So, just to be clear, this sacking is not for what he did, it's for what he didn't tell us that he did. Lord Magnus also criticised Zahawi for untrue public statements over the HMRC investigation. The sacking, which many Conservatives have been calling for for weeks, is apparently part of Sunak's promise to ensure, quote, integrity, professionalism and accountability at every level. (laughs) Next up for him is the inquiry into bullying allegations against Deputy Prime Minister Dominic Raab, which is due to report within weeks. Integrity, professionalism and accountability at every level. Hmm. And just to show that it isn't just the Tories who should maybe choose a better quality of candidate to stand for election, just time for a quick mention of Jared O'Mara, former Labour candidate for Sheffield Hallam, currently in court, charged with fraudulently claiming £30,000 worth of expenses to pay off debts to his coke dealer. More news as it happens. Fuck, you know. Yeah. Also in court, charged with some other stuff related to this, is the guy that, do you remember... A while ago, when he was still an MP, his, like, chief of staff or whatever hijacked his Twitter account and put, like, this guy isn't fit for politics, etc., etc. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, I, I don't oh, even remember. Classic Twitter day. It was absolutely classic Twitter day. Uh, I think it was in about 2018, maybe 2017. Anyway, he has actually also found himself in court charge with stuff over this. We will do a bit more on that. But anyway, do you know what there was? I can't even remember the guy's name now. The guy who's the chair of the BBC, right? Who's now implicated in something dodgy that Boris Johnson is alleged to have done. Basically, okay. he sorted out a loan for him. Anyway, yeah. he said that he's not going to stand down from his job. He's just going to crack on with it. And you're just like, well, of course you are, because look at these yeah. fucking cunts. Look at the lot of them. Of course you are. It's like we've got a prime minister who is known to have broken the law twice, for God's sake. Yeah, we also have had a chancellor in the last year. Year, who was under investigation <laughs> by the tax office it's 
yeah, it's incredible. Anyway, Jen, I want you to imagine this, hmm. right? You're selling off a load of old stuff found in a farmhouse and there's this painting of a naked old man sitting on a stool, probably in both senses of the word. Right. And the back of the painting is all splashed with bird shit and someone offers you $600 for it. What are you going to do? I'm going to say lovely stuff. (laughs) Thank you (laughs) very much. The answer is, in fact, to find out a bit more first. Because a painting just like this has sold for more than $3 million after it turned out to be by the Flemish painter Anthony Van Dyke. An eagle-eyed collector bought the battered artwork in a farm sale in upstate New York in 2003, suspecting it might be more valuable than your common or garden painting of a naked old man. And he was proved correct. It was authenticated as an early Van Dyke and is now entitled St. Jerome and was painted when the artist was a student of Peter Paul Rubens. And last week, it sold for more than $3 million when auctioned at Sotheby's. Wow. Finally, the answer to the question, what's better than owning a painting of a naked old man? Turns out it's not owning a painting of a naked old man, but having $3 million instead. Well, I'm off to check my extensive art collection, Hannah, to see what might yeah. be lurking. It always makes you really excited, and then you realise the last time I went in my loft, all I had was boxes. Just <laughs> empty boxes. More news next week. Well, you have equal pay, but, you know, they're not equal, are they? Sexism of the week. It's that time of the week where we pull up in the pit stop of sexism as we discover... Wait. No way. Motorsport doesn't like women. Shut up, Jen. That can't be true. This week, we welcome Mohamed Bensilium, president of motorsports governing body, the... I'm going to do my French accent for you now, Hannah. Great. Federation Internationale de l'Automobile, or FIA, to the digital era. That pesky, pesky digital era. Jen, can I just interrupt and say, should that have been your The French accent? It should have been my The French accent, sorry. (laughs) My apologies. Ben Suleim, a 61-year-old former rally champion from the United Arab Emirates, has previously said encouraging things about getting more women into motorsport and said that the FIA, since its foundation, has always supported and nurtured women in motorsport. Which I suppose is why, in Formula One's World Championship's 72-year history, a grand total of two women out of the total of five to have entered at least one Grand Prix have ever qualified and started a race. Nice going, lads. In your 118-year history as a governing body, you are really doing the business for us gals. (laughs) Motorsport, he pointed out, is unique, as under FIA regulations, women and men can compete on equal terms. I suppose, like politicians, board members, doctors, etc., right? Mm. We will continue to encourage the participation of women, he said. Keep up the good work! (laughs) So, woke as fuck, that Ben Suleim. Lovely stuff. But what do you think an archived version of his website www.mohammedbensalayam.com listed as his likes and dislikes. Uh, was it likes Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> dislikes, you know, fundamental human rights for many people. Along those lines, Hannah. Uh, dislikes he, the French. He said, it's basically simple. He likes the desert, which is fortunate, I suppose, given <laughs> his, uh, his place of birth. The desert and meeting new people. 
But he obviously doesn't like meeting women very much because as well as talking about money, he lists women who think they are smarter than men among his dislikes. For, he says, they are not, in truth. An FIA spokesman said the remarks in this archived website from 2001 do oh my not, God, way back in the day. Do not reflect the FIA president's beliefs. And yet, and yet, sure, it was a different time in 2001. We'd never heard of women's rights. And he was but a boy of 38 slash 39. <laughs> Come on, motorsport, try harder. Fucking hell. I, I have a question, and I don't want to come across as a woman who thinks that I'm smarter than a man. Mm. But do jockeys not compete together? Yeah, they do. So he's wrong when he says motorsport is unique. Um, Yeah, he is wrong. Darts, also, you can compete on uh, equal yeah. terms. You know, we are allowed into most of the same spaces as men on mm. equal terms now. It's kind of the law, isn't it? Doesn't mean it actually happens, though, does it? And motorsport is quite a good example of that, as previously pointed Mm. out. Two women. Fucking hell. Well, he seems great. Does he have, like, a Tinder account or something? (laughs) I'll find out for you. Hello, I am joined on the Zoom by the one, the only, Sarah Millican. Hello, boss. Hello. Hello, and Zoom as well. It's so old fashioned. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to say it's the 22nd century, but you're right. This is basically like the 18th century now in terms of technology. I happily folded away my ring light, and that's not a euphemism. <laughs> Wowzers. Now I'm distracted by it if it was a euphemism. <laughs> I mean, I could have kept it just for checking my piles. <laughs> And of course, that was powered by steam because we're so old. <laughs> oh, no, I had to pedal with mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pedaling with your ring light. That sounds painful. <laughs> right, I'm going to start with something very important. You were robbed on Taskmaster, mate. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. It's But you see, you know, when I did the new act competitions and I came second three times and then won one but coming second is not bad because people will say and they might be right they might be wrong you were robbed but nobody ever says that if you win (laughs) so (laughs) it's better to be robbed than to be you know where people are saying bad things about you because you shouldn't have won (laughs) (laughs) was it as fun as it looked I think it might have even been more fun actually because especially when you're doing the tasks on your own I'm such a bugger for if I'm with other people, I'd be sort of nervous and not trust myself that I was doing the right thing. And I would think, oh, what's everybody else doing? But when you're on your own, you just have to trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And you really genuinely have no idea if it's gone badly or well. And there's very few things in life that you don't know until much later in a room with an audience. <laughs> That's when you find out if you were shit or not. <laughs> Did you have a particular task that you were like, this one is my favourite or this one is the most terrifying? Well, there was one that, I mean, we can do spoilers, can't we? Because it's been out. out, So there was was one where they photographed my hand that even though all I was doing was going for the knob gag, (laughs) it actually came good in the end. And I did really well in that one. But the other one I really enjoyed was the hitting the balloons with the frying pan because nobody lets you do that because (laughs) when when else is that going to come up? Like some children's birthday party and I'm just going. Available for children's parties. (laughs) Exactly. I don't know anybody who has children, really. I mean, I know a few people, but I sort of, I'm in denial that they've got kids so I can keep them as friends. 
But certainly if I was invited around to their children's birthday party, I don't think I would be allowed to run around with a frying pan bursting all the balloons. <laughs> I think it's worth an ask. I think you should maybe just put that out there. Maybe it has to be my birthday party. Maybe I should just not invite people, just have loads of balloons. <laughs> <laughs> and draw your friends' faces on them. Ah, oh, who needs friends when you've got balloons? <laughs> So as you said at the top, we're on steam-powered Zoom. Which bit of the planet are you in at the moment? I'm in Christchurch in New Zealand. And it is, what time is it at night? It is 11.08pm. So I've not long been off stage. I've not got stage clothes on, but I have got stage makeup on. And it looks really weird, like, because I often just get in my hotel room and put my gym jams on. And I've got this, like, you know, I've got <laughs> wings and I've got heavy mascara on and bright red lipstick. And then I'm just in my gym jams, braless. <laughs> it sounds like a good look. I enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you're touring still with Bobby Dazzler, which has been a global smash, an international sensation. How has the term translated across the world? <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows what it means. And I mean, all of my titles just are about me. So like Chatterbox and Homebird and all of this. But this is, it's such a great term. And I, I felt like I sort of knew it wouldn't work in certain places, but I felt like they should learn it and they should start yes. using it. So I just explain what it means. But I really enjoy the fact that when I bring out the support act and like tonight it was Sally Ann Hayward and this genuine quizzical noise in the room because a lot of them think Bobby Dazzler is my support act. <laughs> and it, but I don't know why, because it's projected onto the back screen on the, back, on the curtain, Sarah Millican, Bobby Dazzler. I don't know why they think I would have a support act that had their name on the back and it's the same size as my name. It would be very generous. nice a person. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So I have to explain what it is and then they all get a badge. Because even though I'm in Christchurch, we still bring the badges over. Mm -hmm. So everybody gets a badge. Uh, so they'll have Bobby Dazzler badges. So I like to think that, you know, they, they can connect with other Millicanaires by spotting badges. And they all start calling themselves a Bobby Dazzler and each other Bobby Dazzler. It's, nice, it's a nice thing to introduce. That's lovely. That's joyous. And I also <laughs> am very much enjoying the phrase Millicanaires. Incredible. <laughs> Jonathan Mayer came up with that a long time ago, and I quite like it. <laughs> it's amazing. So you mentioned that all of your shows sort of have you as the central theme and fair dues. But is there anything else that Bobby Dazzler is about? Yeah, well, I wanted to kind of set it in time because I wrote it during the pandemic or during when we did the online playground gigs. Uh, and I wanted it to be set in time. So there is a section about like the things that you did in a moment of madness, because, you know, we all did like slightly balmy things in order to get through it because mm -hmm. it was hard. It was weird. Everybody was scared and a bit, you know, sort of thrown by it. And I love some of the things that people have done or are amazing i mean somebody last night said they took ketamine <laughs> and everybody wow. cheered because you know whatever it takes whatever it takes <laughs> and somebody tonight just said that they let their kids move back in with them and that was and the whole audience were all in sympathy because loads of people must have done that and kids and, and they're st their kids are still there in That's their 30s and they're still there it's not good it's not good no get them out <laughs> you are a big fan of audience interaction and you always have a question for the audience in your shows just to start with that is very different from heckling isn't it oh very different yes heckling is not allowed 
answering the question when I ask it is allowed, but also what it does. I've never been one for talking to the front row. Some people do that and it works absolutely brilliantly for them. I don't want anybody in the front row to feel like they can't sit there and enjoy the show or they can't go for a wee or, you know, I'm I'm not going to be mean to anybody. But I will talk to somebody if they shout out because then they've opened a door and then we can have a nice conversation. You're not talking to somebody who doesn't want to be talked to. You're talking to somebody who's shouted out, although sometimes they shout at something and then they don't realise there's going to be secondary questions <laughs> and they back away. The Ketterman lady didn't have an awful lot else to say. <laughs> I mean, there's a good chance she was just off her tits. <laughs> <laughs> Has an audience answer to one of your questions ever made you like lose your shit? Quite regularly, to be honest, because it's such a, it's, I think it's the widest sort of question that I've ever had, because I've had things before, an outsider was the best thing you've seen in nature. And that's fairly wide, but it's still nature, it's still going to be animals or, you know, fish or, you know, scenery or whatever. Although every time somebody said wild boars, I had to go, well, boars, because I'm the sort of Duran Duran age. And luckily, most of my audience are Uh as well. (laughs) So even now, when I say on a menu, I saw in a menu a couple of days ago and I had to go well boss because I just can't not now it's good to have you know weird things that you do all the time I think it's a rule it's good rules yeah but because it's so wide anybody could check anything out and we've had oh also somebody went to she was taking a burlesque class and also leading a burlesque class and I was like, do you just have to be like a week ahead? You know, like some teachers are like, I don't know anything about this subject. I'm just a week ahead. <laughs> and I asked her what she wore. She wore like fancy clothes for when she did a gig. Mm-hmm. But she just wore like, because I don't know what, what you would wear. And it's just like like leggings and T-shirts. And you think, well, it makes total sense. Why would you bother glamming yourself up for a lesson? But you learn so, I learned so much about all sorts of areas of life and about you know, I don't really know anything about ketamine, do I? I do a bit more now. My question was, do you have to know a horse? <laughs> is, that how, is that how you get a hold of it? And quite a horse, that's a bit, you know, got a bit of anxiety. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'll just take one of his tablets. And I've always been very happy to say, I don't know about that. Tell me about that. Like somebody bought an anvil and I was like, I don't really know apart from... Was like, it Wiley Coyote? The... <laughs> exactly. That's my only reference. So you learn a little bit. And also I like to find out how much things are because people are telling me how much and how, how much would that say? 250 quid for an anvil. And I just, <laughs> I love talking to people and it's a really great, I'm really pleased with this question because throughout all the previews, I kind of work through different questions and you get one that you go, oh, that's it. And then other ones sometimes maybe people can answer yes or no or they can give short answers but this is and everybody's got a story of something mad that they did you know because it was a weird time and I like having that in the show and sort of setting it in time so that when what you know if anybody watches it in years to come they're like oh that's you know I can remember that's the one that I wrote in the pandemic so Mm -hmm. it's nice to set things in time it doesn't always have to just be what's happening to me which it largely is (laughs) (laughs) there is also some excellent information in bobby dazza on the best way to eat a kiwi fruit and i wondered if you had any other eating tips that you'd like to share (laughs) um have i got any eating tips um i don't know that i have oh i get safety potatoes in restaurants (laughs) (laughs) so we went to a restaurant the other day and obviously because I'm on tour, so it's all restaurants, you know, and we went to a place and we had, we ordered pasta, everything on the menu had cheese on and I don't like cheese. So I had to work out what was going to be the least offensive cheese or would there be a cheese I could like 
push to one side or mix in or and there was a pasta dish that had ricotta and I thought it was a good chance that's either just like nice creamy sauce or there's like lumps of it I can like put to one side but I ordered safety potatoes and the women I was with the other guys on the team they were like why are you getting potato I mean it's a stupid question why are you who wants who asks that why do I spend time with people asking why are you getting potatoes and I was like well what if it's horrible I've got potatoes and I did the same thing again today because we went to the, we went to wait for brunch brunch had ended rubbish all I wanted was eggs so I had to have lunch it was perfectly fine I got a salad but again what if I'm starving mm-hmm. so I got safety potatoes and there's some still here I got a doggy bag because there was such a ridiculous pile of potatoes I'm not having somebody throw potatoes away on my watch so after I talk to you I'm going to sit with the telly on and eat some potatoes I feel like this rule is expanding quite quickly it's an excellent rule but at some point you're just going to have potatoes on you at all times <laughs> These ones are like, they were called salt and vinegar potatoes. I don't even know what that is. Well, I thought, are they just chips? Chips. Is it just a posh restaurant's version of chips? And they're like roast potatoes, but slightly sort of crushed, like a bit squished. And they're so good. sound amazing. And I'm just going to sit and eat them like some, I don't know, I don't know, like what, like like a very happy woman. That's like (laughs) There you go. There you go. (laughs) So this tour, Bobby Dazzler, it's been going on a while, hasn't it, mate? (laughs) (laughs) it really has it really has my tour manager said because we're away in australia new zealand and this show in singapore on the end for seven and a half weeks and she said we're basically away for two periods because there's four (laughs) women in the crew and it just really made me oh we're away for two periods i mean the tour has been a lot of periods to be fair we started july 2021 previews may 2021 or uh, may june yeah and then people will send me messages on Facebook and stuff saying, when do you come at the place that I haven't been to or a place I've already been to? And I think, don't make me add any more in. <laughs> Just come to the next tour. I can't add any more in. I want to go home at some point. So I've got seven and a half weeks here. And then we, I've got a bit, a little bit of time at home. And then I do some American shows and then I'm finished. And then I start again in, <laughs> in September with a brand new tour because I am mad. <laughs> <laughs> And you've been doing stand-up for nearly 20 years. Yeah, it must be 18. Is it 18, I think, maybe? I don't know. I don't think I've done anything else for that length of time. It's my longest relationship. (laughs) (laughs) How has your act changed in those nearly two decades? I don't know. I mean, when I look back at old stuff, uh, because sometimes people quote things to me because they've just seen it, Mm -hmm. but I haven't seen it for like... 12 years or something and it still makes me laugh and I think that's so arrogant no I think that's <laughs> I think, but it's because it's about it's about me so it's you know it's I don't know I find I hope I'm better I think I'm better I think you should always try to improve I always try every tour show to be better than the last one because you just want more people to come and then you know my theory is always that half of the audience or big fans and half of them have been brought by the big fans so they're like yeah it's all right I'm not doing anything on Tuesday I'll come along and what you want is for some of those people you wouldn't get all of them but some of those people to go oh I would go and see her again you know that's all you want really and the audiences are you know amazing so I don't know that they've changed I think they're the same and I think I'm the same but I just hope I've improved I think since the pandemic because it was so long that we couldn't do it uh, I really decided to not be always looking ahead and going, when does the finish? When does it, when, you know, when, what am I doing next week? And just go, 
I'm standing on stage right now and there was a time when we didn't know if we'd ever be able to do this again mm. and just really enjoy it in I hate people who say like live in the now but is living in the now <laughs> I don't look ahead so much all the time because I think you know that view the first time I saw it after the pandemic the first live full audience so not like social distance the first full audience before the audience even came in when I did the sound check I filled up with tears because I didn't think I'd ever see that sort of view again mm-hmm. so I'm trying to like live in the now no rest for you oh no your next tour on sale now <laughs> on your website sarahmillican.co.uk starts in September and is called Late Bloomer talk us through the title I decided to not have a title I would have to explain <laughs> oh sauce. that was part of it maybe no no <laughs> oh no I don't want to explain to you I wanted one that people understood straight away I don't think I'd realised how international I actually am. <laughs> so this time I was like, maybe it's good if you've got some jokes off the back of it, which I have now, but Bobby does live, but it's nice if people can glance and go, I understand what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than, why is she a double act with a very flamboyant man, which is what he sounds like. So late bloomer, somebody sent me a photograph of me at like 12 or 13, and I'd never seen it before. And it was somebody I used to go to school with who's also in the photograph. And I couldn't figure out, I cannot figure out, I'm hoping to figure out how she became me because it's out of school hours. I think it's a, like a school trip abroad, but I'm wearing a blazer that is not a school blazer. That is a fashion blazer. I'm doing inverted commas because I'm not sure that exists. And I've got a brooch on and I'm 13. And all the other girls have got like ponytails and perms and big earrings and jumpers. And I look like I'm about to do, you know, like the wages. <laughs> That's what I look like. I look like I'm the accountant at the school. Mm-hmm. And I was so quiet then, barely spoke to anybody and had like a little group of friends. But certainly, you know, we had a teacher who, um, maths teacher who, you if you put your hand up to answer a question and you got it wrong, he would make you do sit-ups if you're a girl and press-ups if you're a boy. <laughs> I mean, he wouldn't be a teacher these days. No. We know this. But it meant I never put my hand up. So then when the exams happened, he was like, oh, she's really good at maths <laughs> because he didn't know. And you think, well, maybe don't have such horrendous punishments. That's going to make everybody look at you. So I was so sort of introverted. And I don't know how that person has become a person that now stands on a stage to essentially talking about a funny for an hour and a half. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Okay, an important question. Ooh. Monkeys, robots, zombies or aliens, pick your new overlords. Oh, okay. So hold on, tell me again. Monkeys, robots, zombies, robots, zombies. And aliens. What kind of monkeys? All monkeys, apes, monkey, all of them. Not the little canny ones. So you like gorillas and chimps are mad as well. They don't drink as much tea as we were led to believe in the 80s. <laughs> Is that why you think they're mad? Are they just cross because they've not got enough access to PG tips? <laughs> Robots, because you could just not charge them. <laughs> you just unplug them. You know, like when your phone freezes and you think, I'll just power it down. And that's what I do. Okay. I, I just do that with the robots. That's what they didn't do in, like, you know, an iRobot in films like that, where, they, you know, the AI takes over. And you're like, mate, power it down. It's just, just don't plug it in. Don't update its iOS system. <laughs> Champion, nailed. <laughs> Aliens and monkeys are too unpredictable. Zombies 
I mean, they only really want brains. They're sort of a bit a bit one track, aren't they? They're boring, really. And also, zombies. Oh, I've seen so much zombie stuff because of my husband loving zombie stuff. If I never saw another zombie again, there's <laughs> one in your soon. house. It's terrifying. I, know, called, I had to call her Miriam <laughs> so, <laughs> so that it would like just reduce the terror. <laughs> and I go in, and when when Gary's away, I'll go in that room and she's just like behind the door sort of creeping out and I have to go all right Miriam <laughs> I used to I don't I'm not so bad now I used to put a tea towel over you know like a budgie cage <laughs> just to just over her face but I don't do that now <laughs> I'm fine it's calling anything Miriam reduces it the, the power that it has because yeah. it just sounds like a nice lady <laughs> that and your safety potatoes I think you're going to nail the apocalypse <laughs> but you have got half an hour before the robot apocalypse what are you going to do in that time is it right another tour show? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just do one really good episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and finally, please, can I have a honk for the listeners? It's for me. It's always for me. <laughs> I have to, you know, I have to do the hand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's going to be dry there. That's do. That'll do. I'm going to edit out all of the rest of the interview. <laughs> The people in the hotel room next door to me would be like, is she fucking a clown? <laughs> and the answer is yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, Sarah Millican, as ever, an absolute gorgeous pleasure. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Oh, always a treat. Always a treat. <laughs> just for you. That one was just for you. <laughs> Tickets for Late Bloomer are on sale now via Sarah's website. And just to say that again, it's sarahmillican.co.uk. And her Bobby Dazzler stand-up special is available to stream from her website on the following dates, depending on your region. The UK, February the 10th. Australia, New Zealand and Singapore on March the 10th. The USA on April the 14th. And a full, glorious global release on May the 12th. Hello, Hannah here. As you may have seen, last week the Oscar nominations were announced and so our Yossi, Yosra Osman, is here to discuss it with me. Hello, Yosra. Hello. I'm guessing you've seen quite a lot of these films. I have. I've still got a few I'm catching up with, so I can't give you a detailed overview of, of some of them, but um, I have seen the majority, yeah. I have seen very little. I have seen quite a lot of films. I caught up with a lot of films over Christmas, but obviously they weren't good enough to be Oscar nominated. But maybe we could talk about some of the su- surprise things that are missing at the end. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We can. So we might as well get the negatives out of the way first. A lot of conversation in recent years about, you know, making all the nominations more diverse and here we are 2023 no female directors nominated in the best director category only one film directed by a woman in the best film category and no black nominees in either the best actress or best actor category what do you make of that Yosra? Yeah, I mean, the Best Director nominations, it is disappointing yet again to see all men. I mean, we've only ever had two women directors that have won an Oscar, um, Catherine Bigelow, back in, I think, 2009, Mm. and more recently, Chloe um, Zhao for Nomadland. Um, And every time you think we're making some progress, then shortly afterwards we go back to the same when we have all male 
directors. I mean, yes, some of these films are great and, out, you know, really great direction, but definitely think there are some women directors that could have been in there. So Gina Prince-Blythewood for The Woman King, Charlotte Wells for After Sun. I mean, there were, there were a few that, that really could should have been included in this list. It's the Oscars. I don't know why I expect something <laughs> yeah. different every year, but um, it, is, it is a shame. Yeah, I agree. Hashtag Oscars so white. Are we applying that this time round? Do you know what, Hannah? Sometimes I'm so. I've, I've, it's just not a surprise anymore. Yeah. That sometimes I forget to even comment on it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, which is which is silly. But I mean, yeah. I guess you can say that. I mean, there, there's one nomination, a couple of nominations that we can get to when we talk about the acting categories that mm. I am really, really pleased to see. For example, you've got people like Brian Tyree Henry in Supporting Actor and obviously uh, Michelle Yeoh, who I am backing for that Best Actress win. But obviously, you know, we've got Stephanie Sue as well, mm. who is Supporting Actress, who I think was a bit of a surprise. We weren't sure we were going to see her in Supporting Actress. So that's really great to see but again these are there's still a lot to be said around diversity and and the the performances that we've had this year I think there is room to be a bit more inclusive with this but again you know I have to really think about it because I'm just so emotionally removed sometimes that I just forget which is a terrible thing to say. Now one of the problems we're going to encounter here is one of the films that has done really well at the nominations here, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, is your yeah. pick for next month's flicking, which oh is gosh, as, yeah. as good a reason for anyone to listen to that. I thought we could probably start with the best film nominations. One of those, at least, is directed by a woman, Woman Talking, which is directed by Sarah Poley. Yeah. I've only seen two films in that in that category, okay. The, the Banshees of Inishirin, which I think yeah. could could deserve to win it. And yep. the Fablemans, which I think definitely doesn't deserve to win it. So that okay, that, interesting. Okay, that's my opinion on those. Tell me what you make of best film. I've seen a fair few of this list. I haven't actually seen Women Talking. It's not. I don't think it's out in the UK yet. I don't think it comes out until for a couple of weeks. But really keen to see that one. Um, obviously, I've, as you mentioned, my and I said in the last flicking that my one of my my actual favourite film of 2022 was Everything Everywhere All at Once. I'm not going to spoil things if people want to listen to the next flicking, but I think it's probably the most original mm. of all the films in this list. It is take the title literally. It is Everything Everywhere All at Once. This kind of time traveling multiverse film with just brilliant performances and a real feast for the senses if you're going to watch it I mean for some people it might be a bit much but is it going to make me feel sick well I did warn you that it might it might there is a lot going on but it is so entertaining and I really really enjoyed it when I went to see it at the cinema um you'd mentioned Banshees that's also one of my top films of last year just with uh, Colin Farrell Brendan Gleeson absolutely terrific performances and so funny mm. it's probably the film I've laughed at the most last year and it, it's like darkly funny which yeah. is what they you know what Martin McDonough does so so well do you know it's interesting I didn't because I, I I love his stuff I've seen quite yeah. a lot of it in the theatre and obviously you know his films are great I didn't laugh really until the moment that Brendan Gleeson first goes to confession which is about 15 minutes in and then yeah. I didn't stop laughing after that uh, yeah. for me it t- it took it was a slower boil than his usual stuff but once yeah. it once it got funny to me which was at that point the rest just took off I thought it was brilliant 
I mean, I laughed a lot. I really, really did. And that confession scene, I cackled at, actually. I laughed really, really <laughs> loudly at that scene. But again, and it's a, it's a little bit like everything over all at once. There's quite a lot of heart to these films mm-hmm. that I guess I didn't expect so much when I went in to watch them. And so cousin, as, as all round films, they really work for me. And then you've got something like, you've mentioned The Fablements, which... I actually wish, I mean, first of all, it was long. It's a Mm. long film, or it felt long to me. And where it got it right, I really appreciated it. Where it's talking about filmmaking and you've got the shots of them watching films, because this film is about, is a sort of semi-autobiographic film for Steven Spielberg about his his love of filmmaking. But, and, and where you see that, it's great. But where it tries to go into the family dynamics and try and provide that kind of emotional punch. I don't know what you thought, but... I absolutely agree that his sisters covered in toilet paper running around screaming was like absolute magic. That stuff, the sort of the joy, the enthusiasm, and them all watching it and laughing because they're on it. And that stuff I thought was great. But I just thought... For for a semi-autobiographical thing, I mean, if you're actually not going to go autobiographical, it could have been a lot more interesting. It struck me as a a, a pretty average family. <sighs> Michelle Williams is very, you know, manic dream mum in this. Yeah. I don't think as magical to the rest of us as she is perhaps in Steven Spielberg's imagination. I kind of would agree with you there. And I don't know. From what I was reading before I saw the film, because it's only really come out recently here, I expected there to be a lot more around that kind of family mm. story and the kind of, I don't know, this kind of crisis that they're facing. And I, maybe it was just too light touch. Maybe Steve Wilberg was just trying to do to- too much with the filmmaking yeah. side and the family side. I don't know. But it just didn't quite work for me. I do really appreciate the love letter to cinema, obviously. Yeah. Though, so so that, that is great. I haven't seen Avatar, The Way of Water, yet. Me neither. I probably will see it, but I'm not a huge fan of the first Avatar, so I haven't been sort of jumping at the opportunity to go to this one. Top Gun seems quite the surprise, or am I just massively out of touch and, in fact, Top Gun's great? Popular, really, really popular. I mean, are you a fan of, of the first Top Gun? Uh, I mean, I Jen and I watched it not that long ago for uh, Rated or Dated, and I was a fan in that it was so silly. It was really fun to watch. It was it's silly, but as in, would I be desperate to watch another film like it? N- not at all. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I have to say, I'm not hugely into the, well, I don't remember, I saw it years and years ago, so I don't remember being really into the first one. But, you know, it is a crowd piece, the Top Gun. So I'm kind of, I'm actually, I think it's quite refreshing to see it in there. Because mm. a lot of these films in this list, they're the kind of typical standard Oscar fare that you would expect to see. Yeah. So it is quite nice to see something like Top Gun Maverick in there. I mean, Elvis, I, I saw recently as well, actually, um, the Baz Luhrmann film. And it, I mean, I love Baz Luhrmann. Moulin Rouge is one of my absolute favourite films. This one, you know, it was it was good, but I'm not sure. It felt very surface level to me yeah. as a biopic on Elvis Presley. It kind of felt a bit like a long montage of just clips of Elvis's life. And I do like that they touched on some of the perhaps less positive aspects of Elvis Presley, but I don't know if they delved into it too much. I'm not saying they had to do that, but it felt like they just kind of touched on it to touch on it and then just went elsewhere with all the lights and Mm. cinematography and (laughs) Lerman. Yeah. I mean, 
I do have friends, I do have a few friends actually that absolutely, this is their film of the year and they absolutely loved it. Like top film of the year for them. So I'm being harsh. I personally could not get past Tom Hanks as, <laughs> with that accent and that those prosthetics yeah. as Colonel Tom Parker. I just could not get past that every time he was on screen. But there is there is a fair bit to like there. And then I'll, I'll just touch on a, a couple of others that I have this seen. This is a lot. Um, ten films, I think, this year. They, they, it's normally up to ten. Um, but just quickly to touch on, you've got Triangle of Sadness, which is a kind of comment on the super rich, mm. fabulously wealthy people have gone on a cruise. I feel like I've seen a lot of this lately with things like the White Lotus yes. and the menu, this kind of commentary on yeah. very rich, wealthy people. Probably one of the more divisive films in the best picture list it's by the guy that did the lobster isn't it it's it's actually by reuben osland who did the square oh okay and Force Majeure. the square that's got terry notary doing terry, yeah 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 as that amazing scene it's for me it wasn't quite as good as the square it wasn't quite as biting yeah. in terms of what it's trying to comment on but still enjoyable and then lastly i'll just quickly comment on tar which is the Kate blanchett film where she's playing this conductor kind of a comment on cancel culture and interesting there's been a lot of thought pieces around this that have been in the media recently especially from the world of classical music i think this film there's a lot of dialogue and it can get i can see why people wouldn't like it but Kate blanchett is just fantastic in it so best actress category, there's someone that I do want to talk about in there, someone yeah. that you and I are both a big fan of, which is Andrea Riseborough. Yeah, I absolutely love Andrea Riseborough. And I actually think a lot of the comment around her being nominated in this category is a real shame for her as an actor. Mm. I don't know if you've seen Hannah, but the you know the fact that she wasn't really nominated in any of the precursors, apart from, I think, the, the Spirit Independent Film Awards, um, and then it looks like there were last-minute attempts to get her nominated for an Oscar, and now there's a lot of discourse around this because although I'm always, you know, I always say the Oscars is about campaigning, campaigning, mm. campaigning, the best film doesn't always win, the best actor doesn't always win, and anyway, it's subjective, isn't it? But what appears to have happened here is kind of direct lobbying to individuals, and when you look at some of the posts from these celebrities who are pushing for Riseborough to be nominated, mm. it's like copy paste. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of question around that. There's a lot of discussion. I think the Oscars are reviewing it on the 31st of January. I don't think they're going to take away a nomination at this late. I, I can't see them doing that. But for me, it's been interesting to look at all the discussion here around it. It can't be the only time that it's happened, can it? I think this one is so noticeable because it's happened in the last couple of weeks. Right. Whereas I think in the past, it's probably happened in the months running up alongside the usual campaigning that goes on. That's my personal opinion. So you can campaign for your film, but you can't directly go to individuals and sort of ask them to vote. And I think another thing that's come up is that in some of the kind of lobbying, let's say, Riseborough is being directly compared to other actors' performances, which you're not supposed to do either. So, I mean, it's all a little bit questionable. I, I haven't seen to Leslie, so I cannot comment mm. on this performance but I love Riseborough as yeah, an actor no doubt she's I think great she's in it. brilliant and I'm sure she's brilliant it's just a shame 
that this has all kind of been yeah. it's all been shrouded in all this talk. My pick, I think I mentioned it earlier, is is still is still going to be Michelle Yeoh, who I just think delivers an outstanding performance mm. in everything, everywhere, all at once. I think you and I are probably going to maybe have a disagreement about best supporting actress because there are two actresses from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once in the best supporting actor. And what history tells us is when that happens, they tend to cancel each other out. Yeah. Which leaves a number of other people, Hon Chow, who I absolutely bloody love, and mm-hmm. also Angela Bassett, who I know you absolutely bloody love. Yeah. I so <laughs> we're at a bit of a, a head-to-head there. Hon Chow, I haven't actually seen The Whale, but the first thing I saw her in was Watchmen, which is back 2019. She's incredible in it. And yeah. she plays a very similar character in The Menu. It's that sort of icy, cold, I can't tell whether you are going to be turn out to be someone who is actually quite nice under there or whether what's under there is just more ice. You know, it's, it's a really enigmatic performance she gives. So I've no doubt she's she's great here. In fact, I just wanted to say briefly, The Menu got a lot of, you know, chat about, you know, yeah. the Golden Globes and all of that. And everyone talks about Ray Fiennes and everyone talks about Anna Taylor-Joy. But I have yeah. to say, actually, Hong Chow and yeah. Nicholas Holt were the standouts in that for me. I thought they were both incredible in it. Yeah, I would agree with you, actually. I would say Hong Chow particularly in the menu. Really, really good. Um, and I, I'm, I'm actually going to see The Whale this Friday, so I can't comment mm. on Hong Chow's performance there. You're right. I probably would go for Angela Bassett. I absolutely adore her and I think she's great in everything and I'd really like to see her win. But I mean, I don't know. I think I think she will win. I think the way that's the way it is going. But this list actually of Best Supporting Actress nominees, I think is a really impressive list, actually. Mm. So I can't fault. I, I know I haven't seen The Whale, but I love Hong Chow anyway. I can't really fault any of any of those picks. Best Actor, just to mention, all of the mm. nominees in the Best Actor category have never been nominated before. They're all first time nominees. I mean, I actually haven't seen a lot of them in there. My natural instinct goes towards Colin Farrell because this is what Colin Farrell absolutely does best. That kind of a bit weak and a bit pathetic. And I think what's so clever about about The Banshees of Inisherin is it's basically everybody's worst nightmare that you just wake up one morning and your best friend decides that they don't like you anymore. And it's so sympathetic and he gives such a sympathetic performance. I think I think he's wonderful in it. Yeah, I agree. And just the emotions I had watching Colin Farrell throughout Banshees. Mm. I mean, I just really, really felt for him. He was just one of the best roles that he's done. So I would not complain. But I actually think my pick, and I know I didn't rave about Elvis, but I have to say of all the things in Elvis, Austin Butler was a fantastic Elvis presently. The minute you see him come on screen, you just go... Okay, that's Elvis. And mm. I really I think he did really well because Elvis could very easily become sort of a caricature and I thought he was brilliant. So if he won, that would be great. Yeah, too. it's it's hard, isn't it? Because actually in the best actress category, I cannot remember her name, but she's in there for playing Marilyn Monroe. Adamus. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. think it's a really fine line between doing an impersonation of them. Yeah. And yeah. what a lot of the audience wants is an impersonation. But then there's yeah. got to be some more depth to it than that. Is there anything, Yosra? I'm thinking maybe about Till, which I haven't seen, but I have read some incredibly good things about. Is there anything that you think should be here and isn't? I think the one that you have mentioned it, it is 
Till, but specifically Danielle Deadweiler's performance in Till, which I think absolutely should have been nominated. Really gut-wrenching, powerful performance that blew me away. And I mean, amongst all this talk around who's getting nominated and for what reasons, it's, it is a shame that she that she has missed out here. Mm. And, you know, to, you know, talking about diversity and stuff, it, it sometimes does hurt a little bit to see these kinds of performances left out. Mm. Um, but I would recommend to people, it's a, it is a very tough watch. Too, oh, I bet. But watch it for her. She's phenomenal. Great. What's coming up in the next... Let's go wild and say what's coming up this year that we should keep our eyes on. I already have been talking endlessly about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is finally arriving this summer. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. And then sort of in the Marvel space, I'd probably say Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which is coming out in a couple of weeks. Looks really exciting. I'm mostly excited about it because it's got Jonathan Majors coming in as Kang, who I think is going to be the next big bad. Someone will probably correct me. <laughs> um, that's that's really, really exciting. Other films coming up that I've got down that I want to see will probably Oppenheimer, which is Ooh, not yeah. much later. Yeah, but the Christopher Nolan film with um, Killian Murphy is going to be great. Probably actually Women Talking. I said I hadn't seen it, but mm. now I'm really, really keen to see it. And I think that comes out in February, so that should be out soon. Oh, Spider-Man, Across the Spider-Verse, of course. Um, <laughs> probably not one for you, Hannah, because I don't want you to feel ill again. <laughs> the next one after Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which you know I picked for flicking quite yeah. recently. So, yeah, that's going to be good to see as well. Oh, my God, that on a big screen. I might as well just take a bucket and <laughs> put it on my lap. <laughs> Yosra, this has been brilliant. I managed to get through us talking about the Oscars without me placing any bets with you. I think it's because we talked about who we wanted to win as opposed to who we thought would win. Yeah, we and, did. Yeah, I we think did. that's much better. Thanks ever so much for your time, Yosra. Thank you. Welcome to Rated or Dated. Mickey, which film made me wish that every press conference started with someone saying, big news, big news. (laughs) That's incredible. It is the most realistic bit of the film. (laughs) It's a song about big news that never actually tells you what the news is. It's it's basically the Daily Mail's way of reporting, isn't it? This isn't a great story, to be honest, Cliff, but fine, (laughs) let's go with it. This week, we watched 1963 pop musical Summer Holiday, in which Cliff Richard and a bunch of pals patronise and harass a series of women via the medium of song. (laughs) It's a saucy seaside postcard without the sauce. It's white bread romance. It's a B-road movie with a fast-paced plot that somehow at times still feels interminable. (laughs) 1960s Britain fucking loved it. Summer Holiday was the second most popular movie at the British box office in 1963. Pipped to the top spot by Bonds from Russia with Love, and it saw Cliff Richard voted the most popular star at the British box office in the same year. Wow. Uh-huh. A fun fact, a Cliff did not attend the film's opening, though not for want of trying. The film had its world premiere at the Warner Theatre in London's West End on the 10th of January 1963, but the crowd of 3,000 people that turned up to Leicester Square meant the eternal bachelor boy was unable to exit his car and so missed it. Make no mistake, he and it were hot stuff. And while these days a lot of the film might cause us to screw up our noses, 
It is a cheerful enough affair that does evoke something of the fun and innocence of the early 60s. Easy breezy misogyny and all. <laughs> it marked a directorial debut for Peter Yates, who went on to direct slightly faster vehicles in Bullet, and also features Cliff's band, The Shadows, popping up for some of the song and dance numbers, including Bachelor Boy, the smug ode to singledom added as an afterthought because the movie was deemed too short. Is there such a thing? <laughs> Is there such a thing? I've got so much to say about Bachelor Boy, but we'll get there, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> That brought the total number of songs to a whopping 16, including Dancing Shoes, Swinging Affair and the titular sing-along. But no Wired for Sound. I don't care that it wasn't recorded until nearly 20 years later. Stop it with your details. <laughs> Legacy-wise, Summer Holiday became a hit stage musical in the 1990s when it was, it seems, written into the contract that Don could only be played by Darren Day. Hannah, you have got a lot of aunties, as we have discussed before, mm -hmm. specifically with the jazz singer. So were you subjected to a lot of Cliff Richard as a kid? That's you as the kid, not Cliff, who is, as we all know, a forever boy child. <laughs> no, no, no Cliff fans. Maybe my nan liked a bit of Cliff Richard. The only thing that was vaguely interesting about Cliff Richard, or the only time I ever really heard him discussed, actually, was when... Word for Sound, that video is filmed in Milton Keynes Shopping Centre. It certainly uh, was. And he's, on, and he's on roller skates. He and that is. was like that was a sign <laughs> of, uh, of local excitement that Cliff was in town to record that. And also, obviously, the young ones. Other than that, no, no one liked him. Didn't register. My yeah. auntie Margaret was absolutely obsessed. And this is a grown woman with children of her own, but she had posters of him up in the lounge. Madness. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, early thoughts on Cliff Richard? Well, I can tell you, I was remembering this, reminiscing as I watched this last night. We had a teacher, a PE teacher, at our um, at our secondary school, who I think kind of like thought of herself as something of as of a like female Cliff Richard. She was a unmarried, very very religious woman. At one point i was actually thinking like remembering this last night and thinking like was this some sort of fever dream like <laughs> did this really happen she put on some sort of concert at the school total vanity project um where she played Cliff <laughs> <laughs> she had a very long ponytail like longer than y you usually see women of her years um anyway she yeah so she played cliff richard and i particularly remember one number where she was prancing around with her ponytail like flapping about and like a sort of blazer jacket on and had like some of her PE students kind of fawning at her and her like no get back this sounds incredible if any producers are listening I want to see this on the stage I think <laughs> I, I would prefer that to summer holiday but Anyway. I think you really would, yeah. to be honest. I think you really would. I think I was like 10 or 11. I think it actually predated me being at the secondary school. So I think I was 10 or 11. And even then, I was I knew that this was very <laughs> wrong and very weird. Mick and I met uh, a Cliff Richard fan uh, a couple of years ago. We were in Dublin at a friend's house in Dublin. And she has an Airbnb. And she had rented her room for that evening and she said oh you'll have to give me a minute my cliff richard fans arrived i and, remember uh... that. i'd wiped that from my memory <laughs> wow. i was just surprised it wasn't my auntie margaret with her poster can you sign <laughs> well, it i think it 
It may have been Jen's teacher, though. <laughs> they do tend to be quite um, full-on Cliff Richard fans, mm-hmm. don't they? They they do seem to be quite fanatic, a bit like sort of Gary Barlow fans. Yeah, I think it's a love that burns in the kind of crotch uh-huh. area. Anyway, the plot. One <laughs> summer, four young mechanics, Don, that's Cliff Richard, Cyril, he's the comedy one, played by Melvin Hayes, Steve, that's the cool one, played by Teddy Green, and Edwin, he's the, I don't know, dim one, played by Jeremy <laughs> Bullock, decide to take a double-decker London bus to the south of France for their jollies. If they get there successfully, the bus company will allow them to set up a holiday business, ferrying passengers to the Côte d'Azur. Today, in a car, that's a 16-hour journey, in the 1960s in a bus, probably a meaty four or five days. I have a fact, and I've probably already mentioned this, but my parents met on a coach trip to Morocco. Was Richard driving? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think that they, I mean, they both were really hard up, so it must have cost them like 5p or something. Mm. But yeah, I think most of the holiday was journey. Like a cruise, Mm. but on a bus. Yeah. It's not got quite the same sort of panache, has it? Yeah, <laughs> stopping at a motorway service station. Yeah. Anyway, they're aiming for the south of France, but heck, the boys don't even end up going there, instead diverting to Athens, twice as far away, in order to help Sandy, Angie and Mimsy, a singing trio <laughs> whose car has broken down. What heroes? Oh, wait, actually, the women's car has been run off the road by... Uh, sorry, let me just check my notes. Double-decker London bus driven by a gaggle of bellends. <laughs> You'd think four mechanics would be able to fix a car, but no, instead they, I don't know, sort of dismantle it for a bit. <laughs> anyway, the women end up on the bus and are quickly paired off with Cyril, Steve and Edwin. So all's well that ends well, eh? Fuck's sake. But what of Don? Where's his romance? Well, things start looking up for Don's trouser region when a young boy, Bobby, stows away on the bus while it's parked in Paris. <laughs> And Don's having a wild old time harassing nuns, old women, and at one point, (laughs) children. Interesting. Bobby, of course, and by that I mean, obviously, is not a teenage boy. But instead, Barbara, an American starlet on the hoof from her overbearing and crass stage mum, who pretends Barb's been kidnapped for the juicy publicity. The bus hauls through various countries where its inhabitants get into a series of hilarious and occasionally slightly racist scrapes. (laughs) Slightly. (laughs) Before being arrested? Arrested in Athens? And we'll maybe get back to how that arrest works when you can just go for a little wander and a sing. Before love saves the day. I'm going to start with a very important question. What did you make of Cliff's incredible string vest t-shirt? I was (laughs) mesmerised. Yeah. Wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I would have run away like she did. Yeah. This is the bit with the woman where basically they all dance around her in what can only really be described as quite predatory way. Yeah. 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 I watched that in, in, I'm sure as you both did, horror. Like actually, <laughs> it reminded me a bit like of when we brought Lyra back here when, God rest their souls, the cats were still with us and we put her in a playpen in the middle of the living room and the cats, <laughs> who were at that point like a bit bigger than her or about the same size, walked around <laughs> the perimeter of the playpen and she screamed in horror. That's what it reminded me of. I'm hopeful that you put one of the cats in a sort of Rabsy Nesbit string vest though. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly not, if only we'd had the inkling to do so. <laughs> Okay, so had you seen it before, either of you? No. Sadly, yes. 
How, what, what, okay, Jen, we'll get back to you. But how, how? How have you not seen this before? I don't know. Nobody in my family likes Cliff Richard. So, and I certainly wouldn't have chosen to watch it as an adult. Oh, I feel like you're some sort of magical emblem now. And I want to rub you to see if some of it, <laughs> some of that look rubs off. Because I've seen it about 84 times. It was obviously not just at my auntie's house. It seemed to be on the telly all the time when I was a kid. What about you, Jen? Pleased to say just the once. I think it was at a friend's house and I think it when I was about seven or eight and I think it's because my friend fancied Cliff Richard. Uh, obviously, young Cliff Richard, not like contemporaneous. What about Wired Cliff for Sound Richard? Cliff Richard? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Is that the same era as Devil Woman when he had a mullet so and really big later. glasses? He has got a mullet and the glasses. It's not, it's 1981, yeah. Wired for Sound. And again, I feel like I say this on every podcast something comes up where I almost want to insist we stop recording so you watch it because it is <laughs> one of the most glorious treats your eyes and ears will ever enjoy, Jen. It's incredible. I once watched it eight times in a row. I'm not even shitting you. It's having quite a rough I'm day excited. at work. It's so good. It's, and it's, it's, it's a excited. banging song. He likes all sorts of speakers. I think Devil Woman's quite is a bit of a banger, to be honest. Yeah, it's not. It's not awful. Devil Woman. Hannah, were you gonna? You just belching into the microphone. That wasn't belching. That was just desperation. That was like my soul leaving my body, listening to you two talking about. Probably just going to shove it on its way a little bit more because I'm going to use this opportunity to ask how we feel about Cliff Richard being a pinup. Oh, well, I've got thoughts on this. I was thinking about this yesterday and he is handsome in a sort of fairly androgynous kind of way. Like he's not a bad looking young man, but... I'm not sure that chest hair peeking through his string vest is androgynous in any sort of way. <laughs> he's, he is more hirsute than I uh-huh. would have uh, necessarily thought. Ever um, wanted but it's to the know. Teeth. He's got too many teeth yeah. and that really does diminish i think from his overall attractiveness situation yeah. him as a lothario i have to say it's unconvincing isn't it he dates and wants and he moves on jen what's what's not to believe about that <laughs> i feel like in this he just appears to be being played by a young paul whitehouse he's just <laughs> it's just i can't i mean i suppose if you took a photo of him from like a certain angle you might say he was handsome but for all of the other attributes that go with handsome, for me, he has none of those. There is, he's, he's like a Ken doll, isn't he? I, I would In imagine so that, many ways, Hannah. That he is smooth down there. <laughs> yeah, but not to the not to the young women of the day. Very sexual to those young women. Apparently, he was considered like a bit risque and dangerous, wasn't he? What a time to live in, where Cliff Richard was considered risque and yeah. dangerous. Wowzers. Wowzers. Okay, so there is a moment when Cliff is just getting out of the shower and I really hoped he was going to wrap that towel just above his nipples. <laughs> that is one of the funniest things a man can do. But instead, we hear him ask the question, what if you meet a girl you want to own? So yeah, shall we talk about the sexual politics? Yeah, I mean, mm. it's very seven brides for seven mm. brothers mm. when they pick the girls up at the side of the road. Like yeah. like consciously so, I think. Um which is, you know, very rape of the Sabine women type thing going on. Uh-huh. Um, and the waltz scene as well really reminded me of Seven yeah, Brides. Yeah, they're definitely, it, it's definitely ripping off Seven Brides for yeah. Seven Brothers. I would say that obviously it is ridiculous, but I do want to say one thing in its favour, which is that Barbara says the line that she doesn't even want to rent him. Yes, which, which is good. I, actually, a good line. I actually enjoy that is a good line. 
But yeah, I mean, as Jen said, they just surround women and terrify them. And yeah. It's very rapey, isn't it? I think they are whack, I believe the kids say. Whack. Do you, I, I'm going to have to take your word for it. The kids said in the mid 90s or something. <laughs> yeah. I've heard a child say that. That's That'll do. Uh. But I do think obviously it's very of its time and in a slightly Pollyanna way, because sometimes it can very much feel like we're not getting anywhere. I was like, oh. That was 60 years ago. We have absolutely, in this country, come quite a long way from then. Shall we talk about the women? Because partly the women, Sandy, Angie, and the other one, Mimsy. Mimsy. (laughs) They are women going off and doing their own thing. They're a singing trio on their way to uh, Athens for a gig. That's kind of cool. That never happens. Well, because they're arrested (laughs) in the weirdest arrest ever. But they don't even get their moment of getting to sing. You know, it's all about Cliff Richard doing his singing. That's true. He is the star. But they're not pushovers, I guess, for the time. When the car falls apart, when the car, (laughs) one of them literally just falls out of the car like that. that They're like, yeah. They can't even stay in the car, Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> women, though, Hannah, women, we can't be trusted. I think it's a very accurate representation. The thing about Can this happen. film is that everything just comes so easy, right? It's like, oh, they've lent us a bus because they, they'd do that, wouldn't they? And then, then <laughs> I really look forward to the next time at work that I basically say, do you two fancy doing seven <laughs> days of unpaid overtime? And you say no. And then I go, how about if I sing it? Yeah. yeah, the song doesn't offer the people working for free any sort of no, better reason no to do it. There. No, there's no incentive. Do you want me out so I can go on my holidays? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, but I really want to go on my holidays. Oh, go on then, Don. We'll do it for you. Are you going to wear that lovely yeah. T-shirt? Can't let that go to waste. <laughs> Are you going to go and speak to what appear to be medieval peasants? <laughs> what do they think Yugoslavia was? Well, I think we know what they think Yugoslavia was, and it's Jesus. full of medieval hairy peasants. But even there, that comes easy. Suddenly, it's like, there's a wedding feast just spun up. Here it is. Every <laughs> single thing falls into their lap. Oh, come this. on, Hannah. We've all mistaken the word bread for bride at some point and nearly ended up married to a woman that we didn't want to get married to because I'm queuing you up. He'll be a bachelor boy until his dying day, slash until he meets someone he really wants to own. Hannah, tell what me, tell me your thoughts. <laughs> is wrong with his dad, right? That his dad basically says to him when he's a young son, "You'll never marry. No, you'll never marry. You'll never know the love of a woman. You'll never understand what I've done, which is have a child. Instead, I would like you to be raised to never think you're going to get married." So that was my first problem with it. And then <laughs> later on in it, he says, I'll be a bachelor boy, right, until I meet a woman. And if I meet a woman, I might get married, right? And yeah. then it goes back to, I'll be a bachelor boy until my dying day. Yeah. So there isn't even Which narrative is sense clear. in it as a song. He's inconsistent. He's inconsistent. I agree with you. I think it's his bastard dad fucked him up. I mean, what does that say about his mum? That's really insulting, isn't it? It's like, shit, yeah. mate, you don't want to do what I did. And you're like, hang on. Yeah. Well, that's with me mum. Um, a big question here. What was Ron Moody thinking? I know, I know. I actually it made me look and I think I think Oliver's this year as well, so we should probably rehabilitate Ron Moody. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? That is the greatest single mime show thrown together spontaneously <laughs> that I think the world has ever seen. It goes on for an hour and a half. It's longer than the actual film. There's also <laughs> where did they get the sets and the props? Yeah, 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 all of that. 
Some of it takes place in a room that the people watching it can't even see. see. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it all just falls into their lap because fine. I think they kill a judge and then they just carry on driving. They do look like when that room kind of like um, falls apart. I don't really know. There's some sort of explosion, maybe. Um, but when the room all falls apart, they do look like they have left a judge for dead <laughs> in the rubble. Which we is better scarf. Not her. ideal. Yeah. I, I gather in in the uh, criminal justice system. Quick, back on the bus. They'll never catch us. What? Earlier when they were in France, the crazy thing is they all like go and dance like a bit in Paris, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Woo!" Thinks they're great. Parisians would never, ever, ever think that a British person was cold. Never. Just on <laughs> Not principle. Not even Hank Marvin. Just on principle, they wouldn't do it. Did you laugh? A lot. But I don't <laughs> think I was supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, yes, I would, I would agree with that. One of the things that tickled me the most was the way they talk about London transport as if it's some kind of, like, celebrity. I enjoyed that. They're like, whoa, London Transport are going to give us some butt. It's like, what the fuck? You just would not find people talking about TFL like that these days. Absolutely not. I think some of the written jokes in it aren't actually awful, but the ones that are written for them to deliver are delivered in that sort of staid, dated way that kills the laugh. So yeah, most of my laughter was at bits that I don't think were meant to be funny. Did you sing? Did you sing along to anything? That song, Summer Holiday, does to me the sort of same thing that when Lulu does, (laughs) it makes me me want to put my finger through my own eye and scratch my brain out. I, I hate it. I honestly hate it with an intensity that I can't describe. I think you described it pretty well, to be honest with you, Chad. Dunleavy? singing no i mean i didn't know any of the songs apart from summer holiday and bachelor boy and uh yeah bachelor boy i was just calling social services (laughs) and uh summer holiday is yeah it's a bit like um uh it's 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 the sort of singing in a car song at least people have radios now because nobody has to sing that or you know didn't we have a lovely time the day we went to banger although that is actually a better song i would argue than summer holiday did it make you want to go on a summer holiday it's not hard to want to go on a... Like, most things inspire. I mean, I did think, oh, you know, some sunshine would be nice round about now. Some heat. Our boiler broke for three days last week. So, you know, maybe a little bit. So if your only option was no summer holiday or a summer holiday that involved Cliff Richard driving you to France on a double-decker bus... If Cyril's going to be there, it's a hard no. A hard no, because that man is a prick and he's really annoying. Um, If Hank Marvin's going to be there, I'll consider it. There should be no singing of Summer Holiday, though. Is it because if Hank Marvin's there, you can just keep going to him, are you hungry? Are you hungry? I'm hungry. Are you hungry? (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what I do, and I don't think he'd ever get bored of it. He shouldn't have changed his name to Hank Marvin. It's not his real name. I discovered as I was Googling last night. Cliff Richard is also not Cliff Richard's real name. Who knew? What's his real name? Harry Webb or something, isn't it? Who thinks Cliff right. is a much cooler name? Uh, do you know who he's named? Do you know who he named himself after? No, clearly not. Heathcliff. Oh, Wuthering Heights. I mean, could there be a less? What, because Cliff he's Richard so mad, person? bad, and dangerous yeah, to know. Exactly. Fucking he played, hell. He played Heathcliff once in something. No, see, I, that's, there's a fact I know about. Cliff. Oh yeah, he did. Wowzers. Probably the worst thing that's ever happened, not just about Wuthering Heights, but just generally in, in life. life. Yeah, I think we can all agree that Heathcliff isn't smooth down there. No, <laughs> He's a maelstrom no. of emotions and cock. 
Anyway, rated or dated? <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's dated for me. You'll be surprised to hear. Yes, no, very much dated. I have to say, I, I mean, I hated everything about it, but I didn't hate watching it as much as I thought I might. Because I remember I watched it once, right? And then I was like, that is so shit. I was probably eight and I was like, that is so shit. I'm never watching that again. And I managed to never watch it again. And um, but I, So I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to. But I, it's dated in every single possible way, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's really dated. But again, I didn't have a terrible time because it's laughably so. Mm, yeah, agreed. What are we watching next? Well, it's another crazy road trip. Is it wired for sound? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just going to watch that video over and over and over again. No, we are going to watch planes, trains and automobiles. <gasps> These are pillows. Standard issue for all women.